This message was preached on March 28, 2021 at Faith Reformed Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. Well, good morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come before your holy presence, Lord, and we thank you for this great um, privilege that we have to be gathered here to worship you and to study the word. So we ask you, Lord, for guidance and we pray, Lord, that you open our hearts to, to receive your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we are going to continue this morning in our confession of faith. <clears throat> and we have uh, concluded last uh, last week, we concluded chapter 14, that is about saving faith, and uh, today we're going to start a new chapter, chapter 15. This chapter is about repentance unto life and salvation, repentance unto life and salvation, and uh, I think it is important to start uh, this subject by pointing out that even though these uh, two subjects, faith and repentance, are explained in two different chapters, the author, authors of the confession put them in two different chapters, that doesn't mean that faith and repentance are two separate blessings. Faith and repentance, they go together. We don't believe that a person can have faith, say, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ and become a Christian, and, and at the same time not repent. Uh, or maybe say, well, maybe uh, in, in months or in, in, in a few weeks or a few years, I'm going to repent or something like that. No, faith and repentance, they go together. The fact that they are uh, presented here separate or that one is presented first and the, and the other <clears throat> later doesn't mean that they are separate blessings, doesn't mean that there's a chronology or a chronological order. I think they are simultaneous. I think they are like the two two uh, sides of the same coin. Like if you have a coin, if you have a quarter, I have a quarter here. So you have, it has on one side, it has a, it has a head, right? And on the other side, there's an eagle. So if you have a quarter and, you know, it has the head on one side, but on the other side, is completely flat and there's nothing. What are you gonna think? And say you're gonna say, well, this is not a real coin. This is a, a counterfeit. So the same with salvation. You know, it has these two sides: faith and repentance, and you cannot separate one from the other. There are even some passages in the scriptures where we are told, you know, repent and then believe. Like for example, in Mark chapter one, verses. 14 to 15, this is um, uh, in the, yeah, the gospel according to Mark. It says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So those two go together. Then in Matthew uh, chapter 21, verse 32, this is now the Lord Jesus speaking. It says, therefore, John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and you, when you had seen it, repented not afterwards, that you might believe him. So faith and repentance, they 
go together. So we are going to deal uh, in the uh, next uh, few weeks with this this subject of repentance unto life and salvation. So what is repentance? What's that? How do we define repentance? What do we mean when we speak about repentance? Well, there's a little problem. When we go to the confession, there is no definition on paragraphs 1 and 2. The definition is in paragraph Three. So let's let's do uh, let's jump for now, paragraphs one and two, and go to paragraph three, number three, and let's uh, have a definition of repentance. So in the uh, uh, Confession of Faith, chapter fifteen, in paragraph three, it says there this saving repentance. Remember, they have mentioned repentance before without defining it, but they say this saving repentance is an evangelical grace whereby a person being by the Holy Spirit made sensible or sensitive of the manifold evils of his sin, doth by faith in Christ humble himself for it with godly sorrow, detestation of it, and self-abhorrency, self-hate, praying for pardon and strength of grace with a purpose and endeavor by supplies of the Spirit to walk before God unto all well-pleasing in all things. That's their definition of repentance. They start by telling us that faith, that uh, repentance, like faith, is also a gift from God. It is a grace. It is a grace Faith, when we uh, studied uh, saving faith, we said that faith is not generated by our fallen hearts. It is a product of the uh, work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, repentance then is also an evangelical grace. It is God who grants repentance. And here they mention that it is an evangelical grace because there was a, a controversy with the Lutherans who uh, insisted that uh, faith comes from the gospel, but repentance from the law. And they're saying here, no, 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 they are, they are both an evangelical grace. They come from the gospel, from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repentance is one of the provisions of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel brings salvation, but through certain means, those means are faith and repentance. Those are the provisions of the gospel. And how does it happen? How does that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit, by uh, <coughs> by the Holy Spirit, the heart, they say, they, the heart is made sensible. And we know that the word sensible means something in our modern English, but, but then it means, or it meant sensitive, something that it comes from the Latin, sensible. Uh, that means something that can be perceived by the senses. So what it means by that is that uh, the heart is made receptive or sensitive to, to what? To your sin, to your transgressions, to all the things that you have done that are against uh, the will of God. And they say then that sorrow comes. As a result of that, sorrow comes also from God. From God, there is a, a sorrow that comes from God. There is a sorrow that does not come from God. That is of the world. And the Apostle Paul says in Second uh, Corinthians, chapter seven, verses nine to ten. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, 
that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. So the heart is made uh, sensitive to, to sin, and then there is this godly sorrow that leads to repentance. So repentance, they start by saying, telling us repentance is a gift comes from God. God is the one who has to grant salvation. So let's see in the Bible some Bible passages where we can see very clearly that repentance comes from God. For example, in Lamentations, a book that the uh, prophet Jeremiah wrote after the uh, destruction of the city of Jerusalem, in Lamentations chapter 5 verse 21, it says there, Turn, turn you us to you, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. So we see here how the prophet speaks about turning to God. Turning to God because that is what repentance means. It's turning to God. It is a change of direction. <clears throat> and he says, God, it is you who has to turn us to you. We cannot do it by, by ourselves. We need your grace. We need uh, the Holy Spirit in our hearts so that we can do this turning around, this about face, and come to you. Also the prophet Zechariah, Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 12, he says, and this is God speaking, And I will pour on the house of David, and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look on me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So here God uh, is speaking to... Uh, <coughs> the people of the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he's saying, I will pour on them a spirit of uh, grace, spirit of supplication, and they will turn to me and they shall mourn for him, for the Lord Jesus, whom they killed, and be in bitterness. And the, we see here all the elements of repentance in this passage. And we find that this prophecy was fulfilled when? It was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost when uh, the apostle Peter after all the apostles and all the disciples that were gathered in the upper room after they received the Holy Spirit uh, a great multitude came to, to, to see what had happened because they heard this noise and they came and they found all the disciples speaking in tongues so the apostle Peter took the opportunity to preach the gospel to them. And he says, And you men of Israel, uh, verses 22 to 23, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the middle of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and for knowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. See, that, that part of the prophecy is fulfilled. You pierce the Son of God. Then in uh, verses 37 to 38. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent 
and be baptized, every one of you in the, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, when they heard the uh, preaching from Peter, they repented and they were baptized. But uh, Zachariah tells us that it was God who poured out the, uh, the spirit of supplication and that sorrow that they felt in their heart. Uh, did not come from them. It came from the Holy Spirit. So even though Peter commands them to repent, God says through Zechariah that he is the one pouring out the spirit of grace and supplication. And we find here this tension between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of men because certainly men have this duty to repent, to respond to the preaching of the gospel in repentance. But it is God who does the work. Well, someone may, someone may say, well, yes, but that passage uh, is specific to the people of Israel, to the, uh, the, the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. What about the Gentiles? Well, if you keep going in the uh, book of Acts, you go to chapter 10, uh, we see there that Peter goes to the house of a certain man who was a Gentile, a certain Roman centurion. God sent Peter them there. And uh, he went and he preached the gospel to them. And, and, and when he was still speaking to them, what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit came with power and they started speaking in tongues as a sign to the apostles and to the other Jews that were there. That this came from God. That this certainly was coming from God. Because Peter, uh, before Peter, Peter was reluctant. And he was saying, well, I have never, uh, you know, entered into the house of a Gentile like that. Into the house of a, a somebody who is un, uncircumcised. And when he showed up at Cornelius' house, he, the first thing he said, this is an abomination for me to come into this house. And yet, when he was speaking, the Holy Spirit came and they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the, uh, the other believers, the Jewish believers, then they said, well, Peter, why did you do that? You were not supposed to do that. You were not supposed to go into the house of an uncircumcised man and do what you did. And we read in uh, Acts uh, 11 verses 1 to 3, And the apostles and brothers that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went in to men uncircumcised, and you did eat with them. And then Peter started to explain to them what happened. How he was preaching the gospel. And the Holy Spirit came and he said, Well, if God did this, who am I? If the Holy Spirit came on them, and they had exactly the same sign, the same uh, uh, symbol that we had at the beginning on the day of Pentecost. Who am I to say, no, I'm, I am not going to baptize you if God did this to them? And then we read in verse 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then God has also to the Gentiles granted repentance to life. God has granted repentance to life to them. What a wonderful thing. God has granted repentance to them. Then another example in Second Timothy Verses 2 to 25. Uh, verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 25. It says there, in meekness, he is instructing Timothy uh, how to deal with those that uh, oppose 
<coughs> that are antagonistic to the gospel. He says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Very interesting. Being skillful in the presentation of the gospel is important, right? That's very important. We sh should not neglect that. To make a, a, a logical, a clear exposition of the truth of the gospel. But here he says, it is God who grants repentance. It is God who grants repentance. <laughs> and this uh, uh, word that Paul uses here, those who oppose themselves, that's only one word in the original, means the, advers the adversaries, means the, the opponents. And that teaches us, teaches uh, something to us about the nature of those who are not believers. They are not neutral. They are antagonistic to the gospel. They are they, they oppose themselves. In their natural state, they are not neutral. Neutrality does not exist. They are enemies in their thoughts and in their reasonings, and they are opposed to the gospel. And how can can, can he come? How can they come to repentance? Well, it must be must be given to them by the Holy Spirit, by God. The prophet Isaiah describes in chapter 44 the condition of the unbeliever as one not having intelligence, not having understanding. And he uses the illustration of somebody who is an idolater, who takes a piece of wood and cuts this piece of wood in different parts. And one part he throws on the fireplace. And he uses that wood to... to, to you know, to be warm. And then he takes the other part of the, this, this wood to cook something, to make a meal uh, to eat at night. And then he says that he takes the other part, the rest of the wood, and he makes an idol with this wood. And he says in verse uh, 19 in chapter 44, no one considers nor is there nor knowledge or discernment to say half of it I burnt in the fire and also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He says, they have no understanding. They have no discernment. They have no intelligence. They are doing this. And they don't understand when they are, what they are doing. And that's something that we see very often. We see how the, the unbelievers, we see them entangled in their sins. And we see how because of their sin, they, they many times they fall into a state of uh, misery and a lot of problems come to their lives and, and they go through a lot because of their sins. And we see them and sometimes we say, well, how come he doesn't see? What is so clear to me that is it because of his sin, because of his transgression, that he's suffering all these things now? Well, he's blind. He's, he's crazy. He doesn't have understanding. We do because our eyes have been opened by the grace of God. And he also needs the same. He needs for his eyes to be opened uh, uh, to his condition so that he may repent. So repentance has to be granted to him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit has to give them discernment to understand the things of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, They, unbelievers, are darkened in their understanding 
alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. So these are the opponents, opponents that Paul mentions to Timothy. And he says, you must instruct them with gentleness. Not with pride, not with arrogance, with meekness, with humility. They are blind. They are dead. They have no understanding. They have, God must grant them repentance. So deal with them with gentleness. Deal with them with meekness. So this is the first part of repentance. It is a gift from God. A gift from God. Then the second part of repentance is a change of direction. A change of direction. First, the confession speaks about detestation of your sin and self-hate, or the word that, that they use is uh, self-abhorrency, self-hate. What a strange things in our times. We live in an age when it is unthinkable to speak about hating yourself. <laughs> Completely unthinkable. Everything is about learning to love yourself. There's even a song, right? The song that, that George Benson made popular in the 70s that later uh, uh, Whitney Houston made it immortalize this song. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Well, according to the confession and the Bible, learning to hate yourself is the greatest gift there is. And they say, this saving repentance is an evangelical grace whereby a person, being by the Holy Spirit, made sensible, sensitive of the manifold evils of his sin, doth, by faith in Christ, humble himself for it with godly sorrow and detestation of it, of the sin, and self-abhorrency, self-hate. He sees himself for the first time in his life for what he really is, a sinner. He hates. Of course he hates himself. How could I have done all these things against God? How could I, I have been so callous and so evil in my thinkings, in my actions? That's what the... Uh, 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 the Lord Jesus in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, he starts by saying, blessed are those who are what? Who are uh, poor in spirit. They understand that they have nothing to present to God. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn. Why do they mourn? Because of their sin, because of their transgressions. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 31 says, Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. And also in Job chapter 42 verses 5 to 6, he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you, therefore I abhor myself. And repent in dust and ashes. And I heard this preacher talk about the four R's of repentance. Four R's of repentance. And he says the first one is to recognize or to realize, to acknowledge the existence and the reality of sin. That's the first step, the first R. In uh, Psalm 51 verses 4 to 5. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in my sin did my mother conceive me. One has to recognize, acknowledge his sin. 
One of the characteristics of the unrepentant sinner is to deny his sin, to minimize it, to justify it, to try to hide it. A repentant person not only recognizes and acknowledges the presence of sin, but also the magnitude of his sin. The second R of repentance is regret, a feeling of sadness uh, because of something that you have done or something that you were supposed to do and you did not do. The third R of repentance is rejection, rejection of your sin. And here the authors of the confession say that there is a detestation of your sin. You hate it, you reject it, an intense feeling of hate for your sin. So there is this key difference between an unbeliever when he sins and a believer when he sins. Okay, When the unbeliever sins, he's doing what he loves to do. When the believer sins, he's doing what he hates. That's why he goes to God and asks for forgiveness and repents. And finally, the fourth R of repentance is reparation when possible. You try to make right what you did wrong. And the best example probably is um, Zacchaeus. Uh, he was a, a, a wee little man. And he, uh, it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So he was willing to, to amend, to do things, to fix those things that he did that were wrong. But there's also in repentance a positive side, a positive desire to do what is pleasing to God. The repentant soul will search not only forgiveness for his, his transgressions, but also the grace and the strength to do what is right before the Lord, to walk before God, to do what is pleasing to Him. And that's the uh, last part in paragraph 3 in the Confession. Praying for pardon and strength of grace with a purpose and endeavor by supplies of the Spirit to walk before God unto all well-pleasing in all things. That's repentance. Psalm 119 verses, uh, verse 133. Order my steps in your word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Without this desire to walk in God's ways, there's no repentance. It doesn't matter how... how how bad you feel inside about your sin. There's got to be this about face, this turn of direction. I was going that way before, but now I'm turning around and going this way. And now I am going to do the things that are pleasing to God. At the beginning, it's going to be hard, but what I'm going to do what? I'm going to read the Bible. I am going to pray. I am going to ask God for, for uh, strength, for the desire to do it, for His grace to assist me, for understanding of my evil ways, understanding of His Word, and then I am going to do what He tells me to do. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 11 for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, that you might walk 
worthy of the Lord to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is repentance. And that's the kind of repentance that leads to life and salvation. Because there is repentance that doesn't lead to life and salvation. We have the in the in the Gospels we have the example of Peter, right? The apostle Peter who denied the Lord Jesus Christ. He betrayed his Lord and Master. And then later he repented through repentance. But also we have the case of Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed the Lord, also denied the Lord Jesus Christ in his own way. And he also felt this sorrow in his heart, but he did not repent with true evangelical repentance. It was a remorse that led him to take his own life. <clears throat> it wasn't true repentance. We don't see there the, the, the about face, acknowledging I did something wrong. Well, I'm going to ask God for, to forgive me, and now I'm going to walk in his ways. No, he didn't do that. That's a very different kind of repentance. But true repentance leads to life and salvation. The repentance that comes from God, that comes from the Holy Spirit. So that's all for this week. Uh, are there any questions or comments? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come before your holy presence, Lord. We thank you that you have granted us repentance. And now we pray and ask, Lord, that you be with us as we continue to prepare our hearts for the uh, worship service and for the uh, <clears throat> celebration of the, the Lord's Supper this, this morning. We thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.